Hello, friends. We are continuing our talk today on four keys to great relationships, things that we have found have really, really helped our marriage. So if you haven't caught the last three, we invite you to go check out our website at www.thehomemadefamily.com and uh, look at the podcast or video page. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. He says, what a great series. Thank you. We are, we are just excited to be able to share some of these things with you guys. I, I agree. It's been a great series. <laughs> and they've been in no particular order, but these are things that have definitely helped us not only uh, have a great relationship and married with each other, but also um, really helped us to have better relationships with our kids, too. So you can catch us on YouTube at The Homemade Family, Nathaniel and Amy White, or anywhere uh, podcasts are found. Search for Insight Now, and then search for Nathaniel and Amy White. And I do believe that our um, titles are up on those now, Keys to Great Relationships. So today's key, we are going to start by talking about humility, <laughs> which isn't always fun or beautiful, but it is a key that definitely has made for great relationships for us. I mean, all of us have known people or hung out with people who think that they know everything about everything. And it's not really fun to be around those people. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to not be one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, when we first start talking about humility or mention humility, like maybe at first glance or first thought, like it doesn't sound like that's a powerful relationship tool. But it actually really, really is because um, it, humility is actually deeply freeing and it's really life-giving as well because it really does give us and lead us into building deeply connected and fulfilling relationships. And um, at its core, humility simply means agreeing with God, like just not being the authority on truth. and. And so if we can just simply get that far in saying, you know what, God is right. I don't think that's all that hard to admit. Like, hey, God, you're actually right. Um, that is what begins to set us up for humility. And in my usual teachings on identity, and we can talk about this when we're talking about identity, I, I, I have a favorite one-liner that I, I throw out of just saying, you know, Humility means agreeing with God. So if God says you're big, it's arrogant to stay small. Um, and so it, I just say that to introduce the concept that, you know, sometimes God's truth is going to actually violate and break down the things that are the boxes that we're comfortable in and the things that we're used to. Um, but it actually is going to set us free into fullness of life and it's going to set us free into things that we're able to then make different choices that build better relationships. Um, you know, a piece of just being open to the, the reality that we're not the authority on truth in our life. Um, like when we submit ourselves to God and pursue his truth, um, even when it seems to contradict our own interpretations of how something happened or some experience we had, like when we submit to his truth and we pursue truth, then it, it leads us on a journey of something way bigger than ourselves. Um, Chris is saying freedom makes us powerful power without humility becomes control. 
That's so good. Um, yeah, freedom makes us powerful. Power without humility becomes control. I love what that says. Like, it, if you are in a position of authority, whether that's you know position in an organization or just you're a you're the husband, you're the wife, you're the father and mother in your home, you've got this position of authority. If you've got power, but you don't have humility, then all it leads to is control. And um, um, so that doesn't lead to good relationships. Um, I feel like I'm talking to myself in circles. I might need some extra help today. <laughs> oh, no, my we were having we were... all sorts of tech issues right before we came online. So we're just a little bit like discombobulated still. Yes. I'm like, you're doing a good job. Thanks for just right. running with that. So I was saying, even when it seems to contradict our interpretations of how something happened or some experience we had. So like, hey, we're going through life. We have experiences. Um, <laughs> Chris is laughing about that. Yeah. Um, so we're going through life and we have our experiences, right? Um, you know, studies show, uh, that when, when there are multiple witnesses to a car accident, every single witness is going to say something different happened. And so it's actually really a, a, almost a science and an art for the police investigators to piece together and figure out what actually happened at an, at an accident where there's multiple witnesses all describing their perception of what happened. And the same is true through all different situations in life. There's, um, you know, an argument happening and there's three different people involved in the argument and all of them are going to tell you, well, it started like this and no, it started because of this. And well, this person actually did this first. And, you know, if you've got kids, you understand how this works. Or if you've been a kid, you understand how this works. If you're married, you probably understand how this works. Like we have these different perceptions. And what that means is that we operate off of incomplete information all the time, every day. And so because of our incomplete information, like sometimes we're going to make words, say words, make choices that just simply aren't helpful in building strong relationships. And sometimes they're actually even hurtful. Um, so then here's the good news. <laughs> like if we are humble, then God can bring people into our lives to save us from ourselves. Like we're bringing destruction, we're causing harm, whatever. But if we're humble, then God can actually pull us out of that. And it's kind of funny when our kids were little, like babies, toddlers born. Um, Nehemiah, our firstborn, was like the perfect child. Everything we said he did. And we were like, you guys, we are really good parents and we know what we're doing. So you should totally listen to us. Because we'd never been tested. Because we'd never been tested in what we knew about parenting. So we just thought we were the best parents. And then we had our second child who is um, a very dominant personality. Let's say that strong willed, very much in charge, large and in charge. Yes. And she tested us all the time and we were like oh wait <laughs> we don't know everything that there is to know about parenting because that kid just was really compliant and did everything and now we have to like figure this out for real and so there was a level of humility that came to us in realizing that we didn't know everything about everything and that we as parents would need to learn and grow in our skills and our understanding and our in our ability to 
uh, have relationship with our kids and teach and train up our kids. And not only that, then to someday be here and hopefully sharing some of our wisdom with each other, with you guys and, and helping you to not make same mistakes. So um, when Nathaniel and I first got married, again, we, we would sometimes come to points of conflict. I mean, remember we were having just horrible conflict, even just registering for our wedding gifts and whether the knives should go on the counter or in the drawer. <laughs> yeah. Because and if whether we should get drawer. a nice set of <laughs> knives or if just only like this and that and the other, you know, whatever kind. It was, we had a big fight before we were married in the knife aisle. Yes. It was a knife fight. It was a knife fight. We had a knife fight. <laughs> And we're both fighting for the things that we think like he's saying, but the kids will get them and it won't be safe. And I'm like, it's a be in a locked drawer. It'll be safer for the kids. And, and anyway, you know, we, we came to this place where we're, we're just having a fight and we're not really even hearing each other anymore. Right. We just want what we want. And we think the other person is off their rocker. And so in a way that kind of shuts us down to being able to, actually enter into um, oneness and connection and allowing this to bring us to a good place. Instead, we're just fighting for what we want. So here's how humility works in relationship with each other is that we realize, we realized in that season that we actually, we need to change the way that we fight. <laughs> That yeah. we're not fighting to get our way, but rather we're fighting for connection. Like when Nathaniel corrects me on something, he's not correcting me because I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm dumb or, you know, it, when somebody corrects you, it can bring up all sorts of things on the inside of you that bring out every insecurity that you have. Right. <laughs> And so sometimes being correctable or having humility actually means you need to get some inner healing and settling because right. the reason that Nathaniel is bringing correction to something isn't because I'm not a good enough person or there's a place of weakness or something like that in me. It's because we're trying to bring our lives into unity with each other and into connection. So if I can see that the goal of this is actually connection, not him trying to tell me I'm a bad person then that allows me to enter into humility that will receive some, uh, what do you call that? Um, feedback. Correct. Uh, constructive <laughs> criticism. Constructive criticism and feedback yes. so that we can both grow in our connection with each other. Yeah. And so I was hearing you say two different things there that yeah, I just want to draw out and, and, and go a little deeper on. Um, and the two things I'm going to try to say them up front so that you can help me remember, but one was, um, just that inner healing piece mm -hmm. of how I, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm actually trying to love you. Um, the other piece is just the goal, like, Hey, the goal is not to be right. The goal is to build connection. And, um, both of those are massive paradigm shifts for a huge number of people. And so I just, I want to give a little room for you who are listening to just, um, you know, instead of us just kind of dropping that bomb and running away from it, I want to talk about it a little bit to kind of let that massage some knots out in our thinking a little bit. Um, Cause man, who wants a massage that's just like, bam, <laughs> like that's not very nice. Like you want it nice and 
in a long time. So anyway, um, so the first one of those that I wanted to talk about was just the goal being connection. Um, we, ha we hammer on this with our kids all the time. And then, you know, like any principle that applies to humans, you eventually find yourself needing it as well in our own relationship. But, but we'll hear our kids bickering over something that we can recognize from our outside perspective really doesn't matter. Of course, it seems like it's the most important thing in the world to our kids at the time, but um, they'll be the ones just bickering about this thing that doesn't really matter. And we'll come in and we'll say, hey, you know, you guys are putting this who goes first to play video games today in ahead of serving each other or showing each other love or building your relationship. You know, like you have a selfish desire to be first, even though you're all going to get the same number of minutes playing, you're all going to get a turn. You'll all get the turn today, but you know, it might make a difference of one hour and you're willing to sacrifice your relationship over being right or getting what you want. Um, or sometimes it's just like, we've had this a number of times where a couple of our kids are just in a cycle of revenge, hurting each other back, <laughs> like, and who knows how it all started or who hurt who first at this point, you know, it's just, they're both hurt. And so they're both sensitive. And so they're taking the slightest little comments as these attacks and deep offenses, and then they're fighting back and it's the slugfest back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, guys, what's the goal here? What is the goal? Are you trying to be right? Are you trying to make yourself feel better, comfort yourself because you, you hurt them too? Like, is this a misery loves company kind of, kind of thing? Like, don't you know, they're just going to hurt you back again? <laughs> you know, which one of you is going to choose to forgive? Which one of you is going to choose to love well first? Which one of you is going to choose to prioritize relationship over what feels good? Because if you'll prioritize relationship building and loving well, you're going to break the cycle of revenge, which means you actually get yourself, you actually win for yourself that you're not getting attacked anymore. Like, so win-win, like you don't get attacked. They start feeling bad that they've been hurting you. Before you know it, you're apologizing to, it's apologizing to each other. You're loving on each other. You're hugging each other. You're like, all of a sudden, everything's much better. Um, you know, Jesus is actually true. He's, he's right when he said, whoever's forgiven much loves much. And this is totally one of those, like you can heap coals on your enemy's heads kind of thing. Like if they know they've been hurting you and you come in with grace and with mercy, with humility, and you forgive, and this is another relationship key, but it's kind of tied in. Um, I mean, like it immediately can break the conflict completely and bring restoration and bring re reconciliation and, and your tie to that person, your connection actually goes deeper than it ever was before. So, but you got to keep in mind, what's your goal? What's your goal? Do you actually want to build this relationship or are you okay just tearing it down by not listening and just wanting to express your point? Um, so the goal is connection. And to do that, sometimes that's going to mean inner healing because 
let's we're just being honest like like amy said a lot of times somebody comes and they bring feedback to us but all our insecurities rise up and it feels like somebody's attacking us and they're poking at all of our hurt places that we didn't even know were there and or you know maybe we knew were there but we were really trying to do a good job hiding them so nobody else knew they were there but now we acted out of those insecurities in a way that hurt somebody else that person loves us enough to say hey what you just said really hurt and it wasn't okay and i forgive you but you need to know like that wasn't okay and they just draw a healthy boundary give us some healthy feedback and it can feel like somebody's attacking us but really they're trying to help us learn, help us grow, help us become the best that we can be, all of those kinds of things. And sometimes that means all this feedback that we're getting, it's like, ooh, I, I need to go to Jesus and find out where that hurt started. Where, where was the first time that I got hurt in that place, that that insecurity started taking root in me? And I just, it's so simple. We just ask him to take us right to where, where it started. Jesus, show me where this insecurity started. Show me where this hurt first came into my, into my life. And he'll show us a memory or that sort of thing. And we'll just ask him what he was doing. And almost every time when we see what Jesus was doing in that place, um, it brings healing to it. And then we can release to him the lies that we believed in that place. We can ask him what truths he wants us to know about that place and about ourselves. And he'll speak those truths. We receive those truths. Like all of a sudden the darkness goes and we can bring his Holy Spirit in. And instantly in that moment, we become free to love well in a place where previously we were stuck in just unhealthy unhealthy choices, whether that's from selfish things or anger things or whatever, but it was unhealthy. Um, and so it, it just, it sets us free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so good. Nathaniel talked about at the beginning, the, the definition of humility really is just that we haven't arrived yet. We don't know any, don't always know everything. And it's a good bet. And yes, it's a good bet. And I like, you know, just adding to that a little bit is that humility, you know, one of the characteristics of humility is a continual willingness to learn, to not just think that we already know it all, but that we still have room to learn and grow. And so the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so when we come to conflict with our spouse or um, even into just parenting with our kids, I can come with this attitude that I know everything and then I do things. And then all of a sudden I realize that I haven't been acting truly in a correct manner in my heart or in my mind. <laughs> yes, humility keeps you relatable too. Yes, it does. It really keeps us relatable. Um, and, and it's never fun to fall from pride. So, so it's just so much easier to always walk low in humility. But humility then looks like coming back to my kids sometimes and saying to them, hey, you know what? I didn't actually handle that right. right. And I'm sorry that I didn't. 
please forgive me. Yeah. You know, humility looks like being able to stop in the middle of something and tell your child, you know what? I don't think I'm right right now. And here's why I don't think I'm right. And, and to share that process with our kids and invite them into that. There was a day when my daughter was probably five or six years old, and it was like we had been butting heads all day. I felt like every time I said something, she was coming against me with a, with just this hard hammering of, you know, it felt like to me rebellion. And I remember I took her and, and we were having a conversation and I was going to discipline her. I was like in the middle of, you know, like this is what you're doing. And I told her, you know what? Adana, I said, I am not going to take the pressure off of you until you bend your will. And as those words came out of my mouth, it was as if God himself were telling it to me. <laughs> and I stopped in that moment and I looked at my daughter and I said, you know what, Adonaiah? Actually, I don't think this is about you at all. I think this is about me. I need to let you go because because God needs to talk to me about something. <laughs> And I realized that truly I was the one who wasn't bending my will. I was the one who was responding harshly every time I got bumped against. And that is what humility and parenting looks like, is that sometimes we just need to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I did this wrong. Will you please forgive me? Humility says, will you please forgive me? And then we learn and we grow. And I will tell you, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, 7, depending on your translation, but it says that Jesus was heard because of his great, um, because of his great humility or his reverent submission. And I was like, you know, when we come in great humility to our spouse or to our kids and we come in this position, it actually increases their ability to hear and learn and grow because we're not just always being the wall that knows everything. Yeah. Yes. Chris is saying parents and leaders must model humility. I can't read it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's never easy. Not yet anyway, but the fruit is often better than expected. Yeah. Yes. It so is because when we come in that great humility in that reverent submission, and we're saying like, Hey, you know what? I don't always know everything. I'm still in the process of learning this then it invites them into the journey and it allows them to also enter into that journey of humility with us. And honestly, it gives like, especially our kids open ears to hear like, and, and it's not that we always are making wrong choices and apologizing for that. In one season of um, our oldest son's life, we're like, you know what? I think you're old enough. We're going to let you manage all your screen time all by yourself. And we quickly realized that he actually, we hadn't taught him enough skills to manage all of that freedom already. And so we had to go back in humility and say, you know what, buddy, I'm sorry. I think we, we threw you a little too far into the deep end. <laughs> we're going to pull some of this back and we're actually going to come around you and we're going to parent you again and give you a little more training before we give you all that freedom again, too. And so yeah. when we came in that position of like, hey, I'm sorry, you know what? I think that we went about this a little bit the wrong way. That didn't give him the, I'm going to fight back against this. But yeah. rather we came in low and said that we're noticing this and maybe we made a mistake and how much, you know, we should have given you at one time and things like that. So Right. And and something that is has been woven into a lot of what we've been saying so far 
and a lot of what Zach and Chris have said in their comments. Thank you guys for interacting with us and your comments are so good and so helpful. Um, you know, humility keeping us relatable and parents and leaders must model humility. One of the reasons for both of those is that humility completely breaks down um, a culture of perfectionism. And perfectionism is one of the greatest enemies to growth, period. Because perfectionism like almost leads you to need to have already arrived. Like either you're gonna, either perfection is this impossible standard that nobody is gonna ever live up to. Therefore, we're gonna live in shame because we're not perfect and, and we're just always living in shame and failure. And that's a perfectionist culture or perfectionism then as a defense mechanism, I just have to already have arrived. And if I've already arrived, what room is there to grow or what room is there to listen to your perspective or what to, to hear when I've made mistakes or to clean up messes. And if you're going to be parenting in a home, there's going to be messes like you're not perfect. Your spouse isn't perfect. Your kids aren't perfect. There's going to be messes. And and so the healthy thing is learning how to clean up those messes and and instead of it being this fatal surprise, like, oh, but we all need to be perfect. And now there's this fatal surprise that we're not perfect and there's this mess to be made. And so there's shame and guilt and condemnation. Like, we just don't need to have that. We can just have humility. <laughs> and like, I'm not surprised that there was a mistake that was made. I'm not surprised that there was a mess that was made. You know, if you're going to... Um, attempt something new, you're not going to do it perfectly the first time you try it. And so making mistakes is actually a sign of growth. At least it's, it's one of the symptoms of growth. It's not guaranteeing that you're growing, but, <laughs> but you're not going to grow without making mistakes. And so if you're making mistakes, then there's going to be messes and you're going to learn and grow faster if you have the humility to to hear the feedback like, oh, this actually wasn't helpful. We need to grow in maturity in this way. Like a lot of times when we're trying something new, there's a whole lot of ignorance. We don't know what we don't know. We're walking and, and exploring a dark cave and it's like we're feeling our way along. And sometimes it's like we bump our heads into a low ceiling. Oh, I guess I can't do it that way. I need to go this way or I need to go that way. And it's just it's okay. <laughs> it really is okay. It's expected that there's going to be mistakes made. And so if you as the, the parents, if you as the leader, um, if you can be the one modeling the humility to admit mistakes and, and be vulnerable from up front, from, you know, the, the family meetings in the living room or from the one-on-one -on -one with the child that got hurt because of however something was handled. Like, you know, I don't know how many times we have sat down with our kids and said, you see us own our messes and, and apologize and ask for forgiveness and work to grow and get better so we don't keep hurting you guys the, the same way. And then that, like Zach said, it keeps you relatable. It keeps you authentic. Like, 
we can then call our kids to keep growing as well because they see the example in us. Like, look, I'm not perfect either, but I'm working on it. How about you? Yeah. And just a, a parenting tip here in the humility is that, you know, we invite our kids feedback We do. <laughs> um, as far as like, okay, so, you know, we, we give them the voice to say, like, you're getting too intense for me. Or, you know, we say sorty a little bit, you know, like, oh, am I just swinging my sword and doing this? Like words are swords, <laughs> but make sure they're cutting, not just hacking. Not just hacking, but <laughs> yeah. it, it needs to go the right way. And so we'll actually invite the feedback or sometimes we'll say something and then we'll be like, okay, did I say that in a way that was okay? Or did that like hurt your hearts or, you know, and then is there any mess we need to clean up with right. this? And I think that that really has been a great key. Like we have a 14 year old, a 13 year old and a 12 year old, almost 13 year old in our house. We're, we're coming into birthday season. So they're going to be 15, 14, 13. And I remember when our kids were younger, everybody's like, oh, just wait till they're teens. Just wait till they're teens. Just wait till they're teens. And, and we had seen people do teen life really well, like teen kids really well. And we wanted that for our kids. And I think that this key of humility and that open feedback and not only that, but accepting feedback from right. our kids has really, really been a key to having a smooth transition in the teen years. Like our yeah. teens are amazing and we have really good relationship with them. And I actually even allow them to, you know, correct me sometimes or Nathaniel and, and, then we listen to their wisdom. We don't just go, you don't know because you're a kid and you don't have enough perspective. We they say, know if okay. our words hurt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we listen to their words and feedback. And actually it was just really funny this morning, just kind of a funny story we can close with here. But, but um, we were making lunch and Nehemiah and Ad and I were here and I opened a can of canned chicken and the cat came running. And so I gave my, my cat that I was like, Oh, do you want some chicken? And I fed her right from the counter to which everybody was like, mom, why are you doing that? I don't know. I was like, psychology 101, you just reinforce the bad behavior. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know, you know, like I do, I do this on purpose. And then we got to talking about when they are raising their kids. And I'm like, I can't wait to be grandma and do all this stuff, you know, like breaking all the parent be rules. The naughty grandma. <laughs> be the naughty grandma. And they were both saying like, mom, but you know what the Bible says, like you have to teach them to honor. Like if I tell my kids something, mommy, you can't go and do something different behind my back. And I was just laughing because I'm like, my kids are so mature <laughs> that, that they're already thinking about how to raise their kids rightly. And just having this kind of honor for parents and and this, and I just think that it was kind of a fun example of that place of humility that, that yeah. my kids are, you know, correcting me and even in, but that's raising them in the wisdom of the Lord. Yeah. And now I see that fruit in their life. And they, they were saying like, what you raised us right, just until we knew all the right things. And now you get to go break all the rules, mom. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it was just kind of a fun story. Yeah. And obviously, I just want to give this little asterisk. Obviously, we want our we welcome our kids' feedback, but we do require that it's respectful. Yes. You know, they don't yes. just get to sass us or you know uh, nag at us or anything like that. Like it has to be done from the right heart. Um, and so we do watch that, obviously. But and so I just want to say that, and we'll just um, few last 
comments from you guys. Um, Zach says, it takes character to say I am wrong or I made a mistake and shows ownership and responsibility that like all that is humility. Absolutely. Um, and Zach also saying the approach matters totally and uh, build trust and a safe environment to connect. Good stuff. That's another good point of just how all of all of these things, listening to feedback and ask inviting feedback, all of that really builds trust and trust. That could be a whole other talk of how trust we is something we need in order to build deep connections. And finally, last one, Chris says, so critical to live apart from the story of the world with our kids at any age. And just, yeah, that that we're not we're not trying to build just kids who are doing a little bit better than than the neighbors or the, the culture at large. Like we're just we're trying to look at what God says and build according to what he says, regardless of what culture is doing. And that's going to build different kids. It's going to raise different kids. Um, but we're building kingdom kids, not just good kids. So, all right. All right. That's our four four keys. It's a great and healthy relationships, marriages, parenting, honestly, any relationships. Yeah. And just leadership roles. Humility um, is a key in all One things. of those keys, <laughs> yes. All right. Bless, Bless you, guys. you guys. We will see you next week.